Hey there, my friend, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Struchowski podcast. Before we get into the podcast episode today, I want to invite you to head on over to my website, overwhelmsucks.com. Yes, you did hear that correctly, overwhelmsucks.com. Pick up my free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. I know that when you're overwhelmed, the last thing you want to do is read a long report, so I intentionally made this free guide simple to read and most importantly to implement so get your free guide 10 quick ways to conquer overwhelm at overwhelmsucks.com kurt wilkin is a gifted connector of dots ideas and people for the past 30 years he has advised high growth companies starting his career with ernst and young and today in his roles as co-founder and visionary of higher better and managing partner of b cave capital he is a serial entrepreneur with multiple successful exits and has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs and ceos build their companies kurt welcome to the show Mark, man, thanks so much for having me. I love what you guys are doing. Fun, exciting, and I learn something every time. You know, it's funny you say, you guys, do you see my invisible friends <laughs> behind me? <laughs> but you look bigger than you are, Mark. That's oh. the thing. Well, I tell people that I've kind of morphed my podcast into the clean version of the Joe Rogan podcast, just without the multi-hundred million dollar Spotify contract and millions of downloads. Other than that, <laughs> we look the same, although I don't have any tats. I, I just, I love the platform of podcasts because you and I can have a conversation, offer value to the listener, and it's my own radio station, so to speak. So I, I love this platform. I love it. Let's go, Howard Stern. <laughs> Well, no, Howard Stern, first of all, he's hair, he has hair down to his waist or something like that. If you're not watching this on YouTube, I, I shave my head religiously every day since 2003. I'm like a human chia pet. I, I don't, I don't like hair. I live in Houston. It's too hot down here. And I, I try not to have uh, colorful language, although I won't say I never swear because that would be a lie. But thank you for the compliments. I wish I had his ratings, and I don't have those at this point. So let's jump right in. I, I love in your introduction, you told me to say that you're a connector, a gifted connector of dots, ideas, and people. So tell me about that. I, I just a gift that I have. I, I, I know I'm able to see things that others can't. And, and Mark, I already have three or four people I want to introduce you to because I think it would be good for you and good for them and, and good for the, for the world. I love that. I, I feel that we should break into a chorus of we are the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Let's talk about my guests. Give me topics that they want to talk about, and they're free to choose any topic they want to talk about. But one of the first things you said you want to talk about is don't be stupid and fire your best employees because of recession fear. Let's jump off the conversation there. In 2020, we learned a lot of things about ourselves and about, about our team. And we've got this great resignation that the press tells us about and this quiet quitting now that TikTok and now the press is telling us about. And I think a lot of those are just clickbait, to be honest. But what a lot of us are concerned about is how do we you know, weather the storm that we're being faced with here in 2022? And one of the ways that we're being told to do is trim, trim costs and trim people. And oftentimes we, we, uh, unfortunately we look at, we're, we're stuck with trimming some of our most expensive people, which may be our best people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's short-sighted. So in our case, uh, you know, we, we use it as an opportunity to, to remove the underperformers, but you've, you've got to keep the, the strong folks. So when it does turn and you're able to turn, uh, you, you've got a strong team coming out of it. Yeah. You need to have a strong team because I, I believe 
in the principle of going back to the basics and the pros do it every fall. The national football league does it. Any major sport does when you go back before the season starts, you go back to the basics. And I think if you're a leader in a company and you know, now things are really ramping up after the pandemic and things are firing on all cylinders, well, maybe we need to go back to the basics and find out what is our true mission? What is the best way for us to serve our customers? What's the best way for us as a company to grow? But I think a lot of people get lost in the weeds. They're always looking to go forward. And correct me if I'm wrong, shouldn't the leader every once in a while stop and go, wait a minute, let's let's take a survey. Let's go back to the basics. Do we have a foundation in place? And that's I'm glad you mentioned that, Mark, because a lot of us are just so worried about meeting some arbitrary metric we had in our head for our budget or our forecast. And really, this is, a, you know, 2020 in, a, in particular was a great opportunity to reexamine who you were as a person, but also uh, who your company is and where you're going. And the smart ones made shifts and took it on the chin for a bit. You know, the other ones maybe held on to all their people and you know, were waiting for everything to turn and and it, it turned but differently than it, than it was going in. One of the things I, I was absolutely amazed by during the pandemic, there was two groups of people. There's a group of people when the whole world locked down and shut down, they, they decided, well, I'm just going to sit and binge watch all those shows on Netflix that I've missed. And I'm going to, I'm going to play video games and I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. And there's another group of people that was, were just, business as usual. I mean, I continued my podcast throughout the entire pandemic. I continued serving my clients. I did lose some clients, obviously, because they lost their jobs. But now we're on the other side of the pandemic. And the people who spent a lot of time watching Netflix, and I hate to pick on Netflix as any streaming service, they look in the distance, they see these little dots and like, what are those dots? Wait, they're moving. Oh, those are people. Yeah, those are the people that during the pandemic, we just kept on going. We weren't watching TV. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. Back in 2020, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, so w- when everything hit, I was looking at people, you know, shutting down their liquor business so they could make hand sanitizer and making uh, masks out of whatever. And I'm like, what can I do? And I, I'm a pretty good facilitator and connector, as you said before. And, uh, and I have a, some pretty good connections and I, I, I'm familiar with the YPO forum concept. So like the mastermind concept and I created CEO forums. I had oh. five forums of 11 folks each. We met for 90 minutes every week and put all that together over the course of six months. It was, it was a bear. I was working harder than I ever had. I wasn't making any money because no one was buying services, at least for the first three or four months. And I look around at my friends who are going off and, you know, living for six months in a cabin or playing board games with their kids every day. And they're, it's a, they're having a great vacation. And I was pissed. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? But at the end of the day, it was so rewarding. And we, we helped a lot of business leaders uh, through that. And as we got to the end of it, our mindset set definitely shifted. And at, at first it was, you know, survival, if you will. And then pretty quickly, it became survival and thrival. Like, let, what are we going to do to come out stronger? Mm. And then at the end, we, we shifted our podcast to let's go. There's no excuses. Everyone's using this pandemic as an excuse. Yep. And oh, man, COVID this, COVID that. Screw that. Let's go. How are we going to uh, make our own business better? And even today, you mentioned you know recession. Uh, obviously, there's the reality of the macroeconomic environment. However, we all have an opportunity to, to be the best we can be and, and make our businesses stronger coming out of this and make ourselves uh, stronger coming out. I'm glad you mentioned the whole no excuses mindset. Uh, Many of my listeners know that I have run every day at least one mile since August 29, 2017. And I've run every day. 
every day since that day I started. I've run during the winter storm we had in February 2021. I ran in my house. I'm not going to run when it's 14 degrees and snowing outside because it is Houston. I've run during rain. I run during heat. The most uncomfortable time I ran is when I had a thrombose hemorrhoid for 10 days. <laughs> but I ran every day. And I, and I think the reason why I share that Kurt, is a lot of people, oh, I, I got a twinge in my knee. Oh, my head itches. They make every excuse not to exercise or, well, I'm not going to record a podcast episode today because I got a little twinge in my back or I'm not going to create content or I'm just going to put myself out of office or call in sick. They make all these excuses. But what I notice when you look at the most successful people in our world today, you mentioned CEOs a little bit ago, they don't make excuses. They get up every day and they go to work every day and they serve their clients clients and their shareholders every day. They don't make excuses. And I just encourage people when you're making excuses to use a line from Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? I love it. By the way, I think you almost crossed the TMI line there with the, uh, the, the hemorrhoid reference, but, uh, well, this is my podcast. So my <laughs> listeners know I, I, I don't show my social security number or credit card numbers, everything else. I'm just very open about why, why hide it. People are going to find out about it anyways. I love it. I love, I love the no excuses mindset. The, the, uh, the thing that I would, I would add for your audience is Mark didn't say don't take care of yourself and, and get some self care and some rest and some running and relaxation, whatever floats your boat. However, uh, don't use a, a lot of things as an excuse. We, we've been hating on Netflix and uh, instead of binge watching another uh, 12 episodes of Yellowstone tonight, how about get, do some positive things in your life? Oh, Yellowstone. I can't don't wait tell my wife. Four came out. Season four. I, I got someone told me about this show. I started watching, got hooked on it. We got caught up and the new season comes out, but we don't, it comes out in November. We don't sit there and watch all eight episodes. We'll watch one a night. I, because I, be honest with you, I cannot sit in front of the TV for long periods of time. I get bored and sometimes I'll be, even during watching football, I'll get my laptop and I'll be doing some work. I just, I can't, I gotta be working. I am designed to work. And Let's transition to another topic I know you're you're passionate about, the four-hour work week. Now, a number of years ago, I can't believe how many years ago it was, Tim Ferriss wrote this book called The Four-Hour Work Week. Now, if you just read the cover, you don't understand. He wasn't literally talking about a four-hour work week, but clickbait maybe. But people look at that like, you can't do a four-hour work week. If you read the whole book, you understand what he's saying. It's all about automation and being productive and not wasting time. So let's talk about your thoughts on the four-hour, the alleged four-hour work week. As a business leader, as a CEO, I, I hate the the book. <laughs> and, and here's why, because one of the themes in the book, well, obviously productivity is a big one that you described, but it's also describes uh, how you can uh, basically work less and keep your job is, is the way I read a big part of the book. On the one hand, I'm not a clock watcher and I want that my employees and my team to have work-life balance and to do their best work. My mindset goes, if you can do that in four hours, what could you do in 20 hours or 30 hours or whatever? And I am paying you full time. So that that's uh, just my own knit, my head trash. It's funny, when I bought Hire Better, we were f fully virtual business and then we, uh, I like people in the office. So we went kind of half and half and I brought a bunch of people in the office and it didn't work because the people in the office hated that they couldn't go pick up their dry cleaning and go to their kids recital or whatever without anybody knowing it. And the people out of the office were mad because they didn't get to hang around the water cooler with Kurt and the rest of the team. And we're not in the know. <laughs> what was funny about that is if you were supposed to be in the office, even if you were in sales, you're really most productive out of the office. If I didn't see you, 
man, I would start seething. And where, where is Mark? But I had employees in Charlotte, North Carolina and Atlanta, Georgia and wherever. And I didn't have any idea what they were doing. I just know that they were being successful. So they could have been doing their own version of the four hour work week, but I knew they were productive. So it's just my own head trash of thinking you're supposed to be there. Let's talk about working from home. Now, the listener, if you don't understand this, we literally record this podcast yesterday on September 14th. So you're hearing it brand new. So there's a big controversy with Apple and Google. They want people back to the office, especially my beloved Apple spent a trillion dollars building the Apple spaceship. They want people back in the office, but people are working from home for over two years. So like, I, we don't want to come back to the office. What are your thoughts about this big controversy of people who are used to working from home? They don't want to go back to the office. The employer wants them to come back to the office. My thought is it's not going to go back to how it was where everyone was coming into the office. So get that out of your mind. However, if you're the CEO and, and the leadership team, it's really your decision on, on where things go, but not everyone's going to be along for the ride. And not everyone wants to work from home and have a full flexibility. I know I'm here in the office today because I, I can't be productive at home. I just get too distracted, right? And so I, I think we're always going to be in this a, a little bit of both. If you're in, you're in Houston, so you got to drive an hour and a half sometimes for people to get to your, to your office. If you're, you know, going to the gallery area or Midtown or whatever, you know, we have clients in Sheboygan, Wisconsin or Eldorado, Arkansas, and it's hard to recruit people to some of those places. If you're in, uh, you have a unique circumstances, you need to be creative and, and flexible. Got overwhelm? Then you need to get my free guide, 10 quick ways to conquer overwhelm. This free guide will help you quickly deal with overwhelm so you can get back to making the impact you've dreamed of. Get your copy for free at overwhelmsucks.com. I started working from home back in July 2005 when my former employer fired me. And I was angry at the time. It's a blessing as I look back at now because I may not be having this conversation with you right now. So I work from home. And even though I'm a speaker, it's gotta, it's not about the money anymore. I, I, you know, I'm 57 years young and I got to the point now. Is it my audience? Is my potential audience? I, I did the, the Lions Club and Kiwanis and all these little small meetings. I don't do that anymore. Now I, the first question to ask them when they say how much I'm like, no, who's in the audience? Because you could pay me $5,000, but if there's just going to be 85 year old quilters in there, it's not my audience. And I never did that before. Like I also don't wear a suit. I come wearing sneakers, jeans, and a t-shirt. You want my knowledge? Or you want my wardrobe? Yeah. And so I speak less, but when I do speak, it's on my terms. I love working from home. All my coaching is done on Zoom. I never go to a client and my clients like it too, because they can schedule coaching calls on their lunch hour. So it's really convenient for them. And it saves, obviously, for the environment. There's less cars emissions in the road as well. So that's the way I work. But I understand that there are some people that need to work in the office. They need maybe to be supervised a little more. Some people are not built for working from home and there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's just that you are used to working from the office and you need someone to maybe monitor what you're doing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's not. I would encourage your audiences, if you're a manager or a leader, to know your own strengths. And if you have, I'll look, I'll, I'm looking in the mirror when I say this, I suck at holding people accountable and I'm a <laughs> crappy manager. Right. So I can't have a team that's virtual where I have no idea what they're doing unless I, I just not very good at it. So know yourself. And if you have that same challenge, then either find somebody on your team that can hold people accountable or, uh, or consider some other situation.
Yeah, accountability is so important. It's not just for the workplace. You need to have accountability for your personal life. Let's say you want to take up running or daily walking or swimming or working out. Studies have shown if you have a buddy that's going to hold, you're going to hold each other accountable, you're more likely to do that. You're not going to blow in sick when your buddy's waiting for you at the park to go for your day, your weekly run or whatever the case may be. So I just encourage people, if you don't have an accountability partner, if you're married, you have one built in, go get an accountability partner because that is going to help you be more productive, live a more fulfilling life and get a whole lot more done. I love it, Mark. And you notice he said accountability partner, not just a friend who's going to not go to the park with you because they're also feeling lazy and binge watching whatever's <laughs> coming up. So make sure they're going to keep you uh, keep you going. What are some of the lessons that you have learned over the past couple of years? I mean, you alluded to a couple of them already on the show. When this pandemic hit in early 2020, no one had been around during the 1918 pandemic. So this is all like, what do we do? So what are some of the lessons now that you reflect back on the pandemic? What are some of the good things that you've learned as a result and you're implementing in your life today? Well, one thing I've learned, Mark, is everybody I follow on Twitter is right and everybody else is wrong. So let's just go <laughs> start there. Uh, no, the big thing is, I think we always heard that life is short. And a good friend of mine early on said, Kurt, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to reexamine everything. Mm. And I think if we take that mindset, if we say, look, I'm not happy in my job, I'm not happy in my marriage, I'm not happy with who I am. What is the opportunity here to to change? And and no matter whether you're 57, as you said, or 27, it's an opportunity to reexamine who you are and how you're living and, and make changes for the good. What is something that you did maybe sometime during 2020 when the whole world was locked down that if you can go back and talk to yourself and go, hey, don't do this. Anything come to mind? Oh, man, we're going to get deep here, aren't we here, Mark? <laughs> uh, you know, there's... Um, there's some things professionally I would I would probably change a lot and and how I how I showed up but then how we operated our business for sure that I we made some changes and it's fun to talk about but I probably would have gone deeper made even big more drastic changes were you scared when the pandemic first hit because I wasn't I mean I have a a strong faith in Jesus Christ I was not afraid I'm like hey if I get COVID and I die I get COVID and I die I'm not afraid of death I wasn't afraid of the world running out of food or we're never going to be be able to be free I mean I still ran every day during COVID it didn't bother me so I didn't experience fear I didn't know anybody who died of COVID, but did you experience fear anytime during 2020? I, I have similar faith and I always know that things are going to work out. And if they don't, then they weren't meant to be. So I have similar faith as you. My only concern was it's hard. We don't have control over what the general pop population does and what the greater world is doing and nor should we. But I had a concern about where that was going. And we saw, I mean, we saw it with the election and with the mass versus vaccines versus whatever. And uh, that, that was my only concern is like the world is out of freaking control. The one thing that really bothered me was the censorship because they were censoring things in 2020, which now in 2022, we know that was a lie. And I think if another pandemic ever happened, like say in 23, they would not be able to do all the stuff they did in 2020 because people go, yeah. You said one thing, you lied to us. We're not doing this anymore. So I think that's going to be, some people woke up, some people are still asleep. They went to sleep in March, 2020. They're still asleep. And there are, I was out running this morning 
and I saw someone outside running with a mask on and the, the CDC has never said to wear a mask outside when you're alone ever. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm, you know, I don't stop them. I don't harass them. If you want to wear a mask, if you want to wear 12 masks, I have no problem with that. That's your right to protect yourself, but I don't have to legally wear a mask. I'm not going to wear a mask because I don't think they work. And I know there's a big debate on that. Just go to Twitter and, and type in do mask work. You'll get a whole bunch of uh, angry debate there, but that's my personal opinion. I, I think what it comes down to, whether we're talking about the workplace or our home, if we just start with the the starting point is, we're all human beings and we should treat other human beings with dignity and respect. I mean, I'm a conservative Christian, but if I saw AOC stranded on the side of the road, I would stop her. We are diametrically opposed. I mean, 180 degrees from each other, but she's a human being and I would help the human being. I'm sure you remember what the world was like in the United States on September 12, 2001. We all came together. I mean, it took a tragedy, but we all came together. And I got to believe if Martians invaded from Mars, obviously that's where Martians come from, allegedly, the whole world would come together because we would be fighting for the Earth. But other than that, we always seem to be at each other's throats. And I'm like, why? We're human beings. We're supposed to care for our fellow human beings. That's a great, great question. I, I, there's so much related to that uh, in, in politics or whatever. And there's the, the uh, conspiracy theorists would say there's going to be another pandemic right before the 24 elections, right? So we just need to be prepared for it. So no, it's, uh, I think it is all about caring for the human being, uh, fellow human beings. We, we uh, pride ourselves on being human to human. We call it H, you know, H to H, human to human. When, when uh, you were talking about masks and things like that, a lot of it was just making your, your team feel safe. And if they needed six feet distance, if they needed masks to feel safe, if they needed you know, hand sanitizer at every station, let's do it to make your team feel safe because it's the right thing to do. Even if I don't think that's the right thing, you know, the, the right answer, it's still the right thing to do. Now, as we come, we're getting close to the end of the show today, but I want to talk to you about sports. I have discovered my love, my new love is English Premier League football, what we call soccer in America. One of my friends over England told me, have you ever watched Premier League? I'm like, ah, soccer is kind of boring. She goes, just try it. So I started watching it, right? And my team is Manchester City, only because that's her team, and I don't know any other teams in the league. And I have fallen so much in love with English football that I can't watch American football because these are highly trained athletes. Why are you walking back to the huddle? Hustle! Let's go! And if you're not familiar with English football, it's 45 minutes, no commercials. You don't know what the time is because only the official has the time. I think they should do the American football. Then you get some stoppage time if someone gets hurt. 15-minute half, then a 45-minute second half. That's it. And you can watch a game in less than two hours. I think the reason why I fell in love with it, not because I played little guy soccer when I was younger, but because I had an open mind. I'm like, yeah, let me let me check this other sport out. I've also checked out cricket, which is like baseball on steroids. It's like hockey and baseball, but it's kind of hard to watch it on TV. But I, I have NBC's Peacock so I can watch all the games on the Premier League. My point is, is I want people to have an open mind. Maybe read a book that's outside your comfort zone or go watch a sport that's outside your comfort zone or watch a movie that you're not really interested and expand your mind. Don't be stuck in this rut because Zig Ziglar said the only difference between a grave and a uh, a rut is a grave. It's a rut is a grave with the ends kicked out. So don't get in the rut. Try new things. Have an open mind. And I used to have a rule that I would do one one thing a year that scared the heck out of me. And now I, I, I try to do it once a month. And and you know, writing a book scared the living bejeebies yes. out of me. And I 
I didn't tell anybody who was even writing a book for the first year I was doing it just because oh, wow. I didn't want to fail. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, do things that scare you. Now, m- one of my good friends is a big Premier League fan. He's also a big Man City fan, which oh. uh, I didn't even know there was a Man City until uh, they, were, they started getting good <laughs> 10 years ago. What's interesting is I looked on the map because there's Manchester United, our arch enemies, allegedly, right. and Manchester City. They're literally like 20 minutes away, these two major stadiums. If you think American football is big, go to England. Soccer, what they call football, is huge. And the benefit, the thing I like most about it, not the most, but one thing they really like about it is in Houston, we're six hours behind. So their eight o'clock in the night games are like two o'clock over here. So I can't watch like the Golden State Warriors NBA team because the games start at 930. I'm already in bed a half an hour by that time. So I can't watch any of their games, but I can watch the England's Premier League because they play six hours ahead of me well now mark now i know why you shave your head because you want to be a hooligan in uh for man city <laughs> well i will not paint it blue i'm just i'm just saying that i'm not painting it blue well before we find out where we can find more about you online is there anything we didn't cover on the show that you want to share with us before we wrap up you know when uh, when we were prepping you talked about what's on my heart and uh, i love that question uh we, we've talked a lot about a lot of different things today one thing that uh is something that should be on our hearts is our fellow man, fellow human. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of struggle going on, whether it's related to the pandemic or whether it's just mental health. And all I ask is uh, reach out to somebody and and ask them how they're doing, but mean it. Don't just say, fine, let's go. But really, Mark, how are you really doing? Yeah, Uh, Because there's a lot uh, going on in in the minds and hearts of of our fellow, fellow man. That's a good point. We're always in a rush. How you doing? Okay. And we don't stop and go, wait a minute, just okay. Defined okay. Just take that extra few seconds and just ask them. Maybe they're not feeling well. Maybe they had a big fight with their spouse. Maybe, you know, they lost a court case with their kids in custody. But I think we got to stop worrying about what's the next thing and really show love and care and compassion for our fellow human beings. Good point. So where can we find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? I wrote a book that's pretty fun. It's called Who's Your Mic? It's a, a no BS uh, guide to uh, all the employees or people you're going to meet on your entrepreneurial journey. It's written in a story fashion. It's whosyourmic.com. If you, uh, we have a little quiz for you business owners out there who wonder if you have a challenge employee. It's uh, whosyourmic.com slash quiz. So I'd love to have you guys check it out. Okay. So I got to ask, because I don't have the book, what does who's your Mike mean? Mike is your business. You're an entrepreneur. Mike was your fraternity brother in college. You guys were best buds. You trusted him with your life. And so when you started your business and your garage, Mike was right there with you nights and weekends, helping you in his off hours. And then as you grew, it became a real company. Mike quit his job, became your accountant, doing all those back office things that you hate to do and aren't very good at, like setting up the bank account or the LLC. And then as you grew, you can continue to promote Mike for his 100-hour work weeks and became your controller and ultimately your CFO. And five years later, you're doing you know, five, eight, $10 million in revenue. And Mike's working his tail off. He's in over his head. He's trying to negotiate a big merger agreement and a big loan, line of credit with the bank. He's in over his head and doesn't know what he's doing anymore. And the question is, who's your Mike? Every entrepreneur has got a Mike or has had a Mike or will have a Mike because you got employees that you loved and trusted and, and uh, you've out, simply outgrown. Now, listener, after hearing that description, don't you want to go to Amazon and get that book right now? I mean, come on. That's, he, he just set it up. He, he teed it up for you. So go get the book. I'm sure you'll be delighted. Kurt, not Mike. Kurt, I almost called you Mike. I was going to say, Mike, thanks for being on the show. Uh, Kurt, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate your insights. And Mark Fix, man, I really love what you guys are doing. Keep it up. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really appreciate your time and attention. Before you go, I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you have not subscribed to this podcast in your podcast player of choice, would you do that right now? This way, every time a new episode comes out, you will be informed. Second thing is, while you are subscribing, please consider leading a rating and a review. This helps the podcast get discovered. And the third thing, I know I'm asking a lot of you, the third thing is, if you know of someone who can use this episode right now, why don't you just share it with them? Every podcast player that I'm aware of makes it really easy to share an episode. So if you're thinking of a family, a colleague, a neighbor, a friend who needs to hear this episode, go ahead and hit that share button and send this podcast to them right away so I can help them like I helped you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back real soon with a brand new episode.